highest of heights to the depths of the sea. So why is the, rex- the resurrection even more significant than the rapture? Well, it's fairly easy, isn't it? Because if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, neither will we. We just read that he was the first fruits of the, erection, uh, of the resurrection. If he didn't rise, then we are wasting our time. Again, we'd be wasting our time. But let me ask you a question this morning. How has the resurrection of Jesus affected your life? Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob helps us to understand how important the resurrection of Jesus Christ was. There are many reasons why it was so important, but the biggest and most important reason is because it validates who Jesus claimed to be, namely the Son of God and the Messiah. According to Jesus, his resurrection was the sign from heaven that authenticated his ministry, and it was attested to by hundreds of eyewitnesses, which provided irrefutable proof that he is the Savior of the world. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study. So why then is the resurrection more significant even than the crucifixion? Well, Paul gives us the answer in 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to read a lot of 1 Corinthians 15 this morning because I would encourage you to get very acquainted with that chapter because it is all about the resurrection, why it happened, the the type of body we're going to receive. I mean, it goes on and on about the the, the, the prophecies and why it was necessary. But notice what Paul says. Here is the answer why the crucifixion, or why the resurrection, excuse me, is even more significant than the crucifixion. He says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some say among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And here it is, verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, hear this, <clears throat> excuse me, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith also is empty, yes. And we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins." And then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. That puts it right to, brings it in perspective, doesn't it? The resurrection. If he didn't rise again, then we are wasting our time. But he did rise. This is why it's so significant. Because he goes on in verse 20, he says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of them who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. 
But each one in his own order. Notice, Christ, the firstfruits. Afterward, those who are Christ that is coming. And then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise at all? Think of all the people here. You know, you've been baptized. If you were just baptized into his death, but not into his newness of life, into his resurrection, there's really nothing for us then. It is all about this event, this resurrection. Why then are the baptized... Why then are they baptized for the dead? And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Excuse me. I affirm by the boasting in which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If I, in the manner of men, have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, then let us eat, for tomorrow we die. Let us eat and drink. Let us, let's party. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not what you, excuse me, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. Now this portion of the scripture in, in Corinthians is, is important because there's a lot of misunderstanding about the body that Jesus had and the body that you and I are going to have at the rapture of the church. Jesus was the first fruits and then we will be raptured as well. We will be resurrected. The dead in Christ will rise first and then we which are alive and remain will be given a new body. And notice he says all flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men and another flesh of animals, another of fish and another of birds, and we're all very aware of that. We eat them on our dinner table. (laughs) But there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, and you and I have terrestrial bodies. They're made of the earth. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. And there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon. Another glory of the stars, for one differs from one, one star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. And it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And there is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not the first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust, obviously speaking of Adam. The second man, speaking of Jesus, is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of the dust, so also are those 
who are made of the dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. The miracle of the resurrection was the proof of Jesus' power over the grave. Even the prophets attested to that. In Hosea, God says through the prophet, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. I will purchase them back from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. And this verse that we just read has continued on in our passage in Corinthians, which let's finish with. He says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Again, and just to pause here for a second, we're not able to stand in the presence of God with this body that is susceptible to sickness and death. No, when Jesus resurrects us as he was resurrected, we too will be given a new body. And the Bible tells us that there'll be no more death, there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more coronavirus or any variant thereof. There'll be nothing. Right. We'll be in the image of God and our body will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And he goes on and he says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot, cannot, notice, inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Excuse me. Behold, I tell you a mystery. And here it is. We shall not all sleep, meaning we shall not all die, Because maybe we're in that generation, folks. Maybe we live, or maybe now we are in this generation that most of us, hopefully, wouldn't that be awesome? To be the generation that witnesses the rapture. That's what Paul means by not all of us are going to sleep. There's going to be people alive when the rapture occurs. But notice, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this corruptible flesh that we currently have must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, and here it is, he's quoting Hosea 13 verse 14, or is it 14 verse 13? 13 verse 14, and here it is, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work, your labor in the the Lord is not in vain. And so this is what happened to Jesus, and this is our blessed hope as well. Awesome. So why is the the resurrection even more significant than the rapture? Well, it's fairly easy, isn't it? Because if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, neither will we. We just read that he was the first fruits of of the resurrection. If he didn't rise, then we are wasting our time. Again, we'd be wasting our time. But let me ask you a question this morning. How has the resurrection of Jesus affected your life? How has he 
How has that affected your life? And hopefully much. Hopefully it's changed you completely. As it's changed me, my passions are very different than when than the passions I had before Christ. When I gave my heart to Christ, everything changed. Have you given your heart to Christ? Is your life now demonstrating what Jesus paid for? Is he getting what he died for? And no, I'm not talking about some kind of justification of your own works, but rather how we've responded to this gift of salvation, this gift of soon resurrection. How have we replied to that? How has our life demonstrated as a result of that? In Philippians it says this, Therefore, my beloved As you have always obeyed, not as in my absence only, but now much more in my absence. And he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God. Notice, you know, most people when they quote this this scripture, they say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But you have to remember verse 13, because it's God who works in you. You don't have to work it out in your own flesh. You can't do it in your own flesh. You work out what he has already worked in. Why? Because it is God who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Because of the presence of the Spirit of God in me, now I work that out. I do that in very practical things in my life. I turn away from certain things. I I, I love people and I show that love by action. I don't just say I love you, I prove it. Didn't Jesus prove his love when he laid his life down on the cross? He proved it. It wasn't just a bunch of empty words. He says, I'm going to prove my love. Greater love has no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. And that's what he calls you and I. Isn't that great to be called a friend of God? But we work out what God has already put in us. And you know, as we think about Jesus being crucified on the Passover, isn't it interesting that the Passover in Exodus 12, it talks about something really significant. And don't miss this, because this is important. Even back in the Old Testament in Exodus 12, what happened first? The, the, the seven-day feast of unleavened bread, where they would go and they would search out leaven, any yeast, any leaven in their house. They, they would have fun with the, the have kids, uh, kids games to find anything like leaven or bread or any crumbs, anything like that. And they would scour the house to look for it. And leaven is always a symbol of sin. And they would do that for seven days. But even in the Old Testament, what happened first? The Passover lamb was sacrificed. And then the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And why is that significant? Because man likes to earn his own salvation. He likes to have something to do with it. But what did the Bible tell us? The lamb was sacrificed, and then as a result of that sacrifice, then we put those things behind us, and we take those things, and we search out the closet, so to speak. It didn't happen the other way around. Otherwise, we would have something to boast in. Well, I've cleaned up my act. I've, I've, I've stopped smoking. I've stopped doing drugs. I, I no longer have illicit relationships with other people. And now as a result of that, because I've done my homework and I've done my part, Jesus, you do your part. No, it wasn't that at all. When he said it's finished, that means it's finished. It means the price was paid right then. And then afterwards, the feast of unleavened bread. 
where they searched out and they cleaned the, they cleaned the, the house and they looked for any sign of sin. And see, the same is true in the New Testament. Christ, the Passover lamb, has been crucified. And because of that, as a result of that, then I put away all those things, the malice, the hatred, the wrath, the anger, all these lustful, awful, horrible things that we do as human beings. As a result of that, then I'm working on these things. But I'm not doing it alone because the Spirit of God is in me to give me strength to resist those things and to turn away from those things. Are you in that place? Have you recognized that in your own life? I hope you have because I'm very much aware of my own sin in my own life. And I think as we get closer to Jesus, as we get closer even to the end before the rapture, I'm very much aware. We are becoming more aware of just our shortcomings. But listen, the price has been paid. Set yourself free and, and, and don't come at this, this walk with Jesus as something that you, certainly we are indebted to him. There's no doubt about that. But he has done all the work for us. Now we can rest in that work, that finished work that he did for us. We can rest in it and now we can practically walk every day and just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the relationship. Enjoy the process of sanctification. Are you enjoying it? Or are you like that dog that's being dragged when the owner takes it and you got this big, you know, golden retriever who's just got the feet out like that and you see this person trying to drag the dog? I don't want to be like that dog. I want to be a, a, a viable participant. I want to be a willing participant on the wheel that God has put us on. He's molding and shaping you like a potter. Are you willing to be shaped? Or are you say, you know what, I've already done my thing. I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm done. I don't have to do anything else. Well, you know what? If you're at that place, you're going to be a miserable person because until the moment that Christ comes for us, we are all in this place of sanctification and we are all in this place of being molded and shaped. And are you still willing to be molded and shaped or are you set in your ways? Are you set so much in your ways that you say, I've, I've done this and I'm going no further. This is just who I am. This is my personality. And I'm not letting you do anything more, Lord, than this. And I'm just going to sit here on my couch and read my Bible until you come. And you know what? You're going to go to heaven. He's not going to take that away from you. But you are going to miss out on so much. You're going to miss out on a life Isn't our life here worth something as well? Isn't our life here meaningful? Doesn't God want you to use your life to glorify him? Of course he does. And it is a joy to serve Jesus. It's a joy to serve him. It's a joy to give my life away. It's a joy to help others, to love others, to give them the truth that you and I have been so freely given. And to give that away, to give it away, don't be like the Dead Sea where you're always receiving, 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 and nothing is being given out. You're just stagnant and dead. I want to be like the Sea of Galilee where the fresh water, it's beautiful there. If you come to Israel next year, and Lord willing, if we go, you'll swim in that lake, and it is fresh water. It's beautiful. It gets all of its nutrients from Mount Hermon and all the snows and all the tributaries coming into it. And then it gives it out through the Jordan Valley to all those farmers down in the lower south part and then finally gets landlocked in the Dead Sea. Nothing is alive down there. It's all dead. Ah, but the Galilee is teeming with life. Teeming with life because it's allowed to receive and it's willing to give. And see, that's what we need to do as Christians. We cannot just be an island somewhere and hold up somewhere. 
we must be actively pursuing Christ and letting him use your life. Do you want to be used? I want to be used. And don't get me wrong. You know, the Bible says that for by grace you've been saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. We've been saved by grace through faith. It is not uh, and not of ourselves because it is a gift. Salvation is a gift and not of works lest any man should boast. And that we would put away all those things. In Colossians, we're not going to go in there, but in Colossians it talks about putting away the wrath and the malice and then putting on the new man, which is Christ Jesus. Putting him on daily. How do you do that? You just realize that he is in you. The Spirit of God is in you. And then you put him on in a sense. You remember who you are, Christian. You remember what you've been purchased for. And you remember who he is. He wants to give you a new life. Let's look now at chapter uh, 20, verse 1. Notice... Now on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, and while it was still dark, and and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so our, our Gregorian calendar that we currently have, look at the calendar. Notice that your calendar starts on Sunday, and it goes through Saturday. Why is that? Because Sunday is the first day of the week. It was so significant, even based on what we have in the Word of God, it was so significant that they started the day on Sunday. Your work week doesn't begin on Monday. It begins today. Today is the beginning of the week. Why? Because Jesus Christ rose on this day, on the first day of the week, Sunday. That's why we have Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. And Mary Magdalene, this woman who Jesus delivered seven demons from, remember, she was the first woman who was delivered from, or actually, excuse me, saw Jesus. And, and, and her name literally means Mary of Magdala. Magdala is, is right there where, uh, next to the place where, the, when we go to Israel, we stay at this place called Nof Ginnisar, right on the western shore of the Galilee. And literally, we can look outside our window and see all of this area right here, and that's Magdala. Mary of Magdala, that's where she was born, that's where she lived. And it's a beautiful, lush place. That's where Mary came from. This was the area. In Matthew uh, 28 and Mark 16, in the first couple of verses, they tell us that she wasn't alone when she came to the tomb either. There were other women at the tomb as well. And we find that out in, uh, in the other Gospels. And there was Mary, certainly the mother of James, the less, and Joses. She's the wife of Alphaeus. He's often known as Clopas or Cleopas. We know that Salome was there, who was the mother of, of James and John, the apostles. And a Joanna. Well, I don't know who Joanna is, but she was there. And other women. And by the time the women had gotten to the tomb to put the spices and the fragrant oils on Jesus' body... I mean, think about this. Nicodemus and uh, Joseph of Arimathea had already packed Jesus, his whole body, with 100 pounds of this ointment. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.